Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hodgeberg, and this is episode number 33. The Voyager class of Royal Caribbean ships redefine what cruise ships can offer to guests in the onboard experience. From specialty restaurants to entertainment to sheer size, the Voyager class ships quickly became a Royal Caribbean staple. This week, I want to share with you why the Voyager class is really quite good and what the appeal of these giant ships are. Here we go. On previous episodes of this podcast, I've stated my favorite class of Royal Caribbean ships is the Voyager class, and having been on Navigator this season last month, I can tell you that I still firmly believe this to be true. I've actually been on three of the Voyager class ships, Navigator of the Seas, Explorer of the Seas, and Mariner of the Seas. It's important to understand first where the Voyager class group of ships came from and how big of a deal it was at the time to understand how important they still are today. Looking back will also help us understand how every Royal Caribbean class of ships since then has really been based on Voyager class in one way or another. So there are five Voyager class ships in Royal Caribbean's fleet. Voyager of the Seas, Explorer of the Seas, Adventure of the Seas, Navigator of the Seas, and Mariner of the Seas. Voyager class ships were built in Turku, Finland at what is now called the STX Finland Shipyard. Each Voyager class ship can accommodate about 3,114 passengers. There are additional cabins that were added to navigate other seas, and presumably other ships in the class will also change, so this number is not exactly going to be accurate going forward, but... Well, it is what it is. Voyager of the Seas was the first ship in the class and it entered service back on November 21st, 1999. And, you know, there were a few ways Voyager of the Seas revolutionized the cruise industry. First and foremost, it was a big ship. Prior to entering service, the biggest cruise ship in the world by gross tonnage was Princess Cruises Grand Princess at 109,000 gross tons. But when Voyager of the Seas came in, it was at 137,276 gross tons, which, according to my very poor math skills, equates to 21% larger than the previous largest ship in the world. So that's a big ship. <laughs> now, Voyager of the Seas also introduced a number of firsts to the cruise industry. And really, this is where it differentiated itself from the rest of the industry. At first, it had the first rock climbing wall at sea, first ice skating rink at sea, the first royal promenade at sea, which is, a, of course, a marble-floored street. Stretching over three quarters of the length of the ship, featuring shops and light dining venues. And also, it came with a specialty dining restaurant called Johnny Rockets. So, these changes, these innovations, didn't just change Royal Caribbean, but it also changed the cruise industry as a whole. I mean, can you think of any cruise ships today that don't offer outdoor activities like the rock climbing wall or specialty restaurants? It transformed the industry, and new ships since have all been modeled after the concepts first brought by Voyager of the Seas. You know, I kind of like to think that Voyager of the Seas is kind of like the missing link between classic cruising ships and what cruise ships have become today. And, you know, the Johnny Rockets thing, especially, because, of course, that was especially restaurants. At the time, it actually was free. They were just adding a different restaurant to the ship. But the idea of bringing either a land-based restaurant or just a different restaurant other than, you know, the restaurants that have been developed by the cruise line up to that point was a totally different concept. And now, this is very common, in fact. Now, prior to the Voyager class, Royal Caribbean had finished up the Vision class of ships, which were the larger than its predecessor class, which, of course, was Sovereign class. But the step between Vision to Voyager was much larger than the step between Vision or Sovereign to Vision, that is. Since Voyager class, you can look at Freedom, Oasis, even Quantum class and see how they're all really built around the model of the idea of the Voyager class. I often describe Freedom class, in fact, as bigger Voyager class ships, and Oasis and Quantum class reflect Voyager's origins in that they both have the Royal Promenade and add special attention to the restaurants on board and activities as well. 
I really feel like Voyager-class ships manage the balance between ship size and passenger total the best because they can accommodate a lot of passengers, but yet it really doesn't feel that crowded. Now, because the Royal Caribbean has introduced so many other classes of ships since Voyager-class, the other advantage of Voyager-class these days is the pricing is a lot better, and it's less, usually very competitive. I think a Voyager-class ship delivers a Royal Caribbean wow factor with a great value, and... Since all the ships are home-ported in non-major cruise ports, they're often conveniently located for people who may not wish to fly or can't fly or would just prefer to drive as an alternative. So this adds a lot more value to the ships if you don't have to add in a couple hundred, if not thousands of dollars for your airfare. Now, having already started with Navigator this season, the Voyager class is about to embark upon a complete overhaul in the coming year and change to add many new venues. Now, based on the impressive work I've already seen on Navigator this season, I have no doubt these upgrades are really going to make these ships, once again, a must-see. We don't have the final details on what to expect beyond the usual revitalization upgrades that come with every Royal Caribbean revitalization, like new carpeting, a new restaurant here and there, new facilities. However... As we get closer, we should expect more information, and of course, I'll be sure to share whatever information I get on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. In fact, here's an example of such information. We already know that the Flowrider is going to be added to Voyager the Seas and Explorer the Seas, and more specialized upgrades should be forthcoming. So we're not sure you know, what it may look like at the end of the day, but at least we know that there's going to be some major changes coming to these ships. And again, if it's anything like Navigator the Seas, I'm pretty excited about it. So you may be asking yourself, or asking me rather, Matt, who is the Voyager class of ships really good for? Naturally, I'd respond everybody. <laughs> but if you want to be specific, I really feel like Voyager class ships are great for those new to Royal Caribbean and veterans alike. Based on my Navigator the Seas experience, I'd recommend it to just about everyone because of the new features and what the changes they did to the ship. But even looking at the other ships in the class, I think they're great for those who are near enough to them to not have to fly. If you have to buy airfare, then you can start considering other classes of ship too, but... Being close enough to drive means you'll have significant cost savings, and like I said earlier, they're priced really well to begin with. If you've cruised with Royal Caribbean before on other classes of ships, I would not hesitate to recommend Voyager Class. Outside of Navigator of the Seas, I really think that the areas of the Voyager Class ships have noticeable differences are the lack of the specialty restaurants and smaller adventure ocean facilities. Three specialty restaurants may not seem like a small number, but these days, that's just a few restaurants for a cruise ship. And the Adventure Ocean facilities are good, but for the younger kids, I think they'll notice differences in the size of what's available to them, as well as the facility's age. Again, I would not say if you have kids to avoid Voyager classes by any means. Just be aware of the differences and know that once the refurbishment occurs, this issue, and also the specialty restaurant issue, will be resolved, or at least a much better situation. So maybe keep an eye on that as we move forward here. I'll also place on our show notes a link to voyager-class.com, which is a great website I found dedicated to this class of ships if you want a ton more information about them and really a good look at their history. Now, I've told you a lot about, about my love for the Voyager class, but I'd love to hear your opinions on the Voyager class ships as well. So email me your thoughts on the ship in this class, including what you like about them and which one you want to go on next. My email, of course, is matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, and I'll be sure to read your emails on a future show. Speaking of emails, it's time once more to answer your emails, tweets, and Facebook messages that you sent me. I love this part of the show because it's an opportunity really to share with all of you what you all, my friends, honestly, think of Royal Caribbean and questions and comments. And I just think it's fun, you know, just to share what everyone's thinking these days. So let's get things started. Naturally, our first email is from Christopher Percy. Hello, Matt. Thanks for the very informative review of onboard activities. There is definitely something for everyone on all Royal Caribbean ships. My wife and I keep very active when we cruise, so we can eat as much as we like and not gain any weight. Christopher, that's a great strategy. I always aim for that strategy, yet I always go for the eat as much as I want, and I keep forgetting to <laughs> be 
looking more active, or I rationalize as, well, I walked around the port a lot, so that must equal out, or, you know, all those calories I ate before, right? Probably not, but whatever. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, right? Next is an email from Andreas from Germany. Just a short question. I'm sure you've traveled on Oasis class before. I asked myself if the helipad is accessible on the Oasis class. Well, it's not accessible like on the Voyager and Freedom class ships from the muster station's deck, but there is a large set of stairs in the middle of the helipad, which comes from the deck below. I heard rumors that despite the large stairs, the helipad is not accessible on Oasis class or passengers. That would be a pity as it is a very nice place and it's accessible on all other Royal Caribbean ships. Do you have any further info on that? Looking forward to my Oasis trip in September to Rotterdam and my Allure trip in 2015 in the Mediterranean. First of all, I have to say, guten tag. And second of all, I have to say, I think you've got some two really great cruises. I know you're taking advantage of both Oasis of the Seas and Allure of the Seas coming over to Europe. So you're doing the right thing. And of course, I'm imagining it's got to be cheaper than flying to the United States to see it. So opportunity for you. And I know that a lot of other Europeans are very excited about the Oasis class coming in Europe. So in regards to your question... I have been on Oasis of the Seas, went back in 2010, if I'm not mistaken, and I do recall at the time, yes, you were not able to access the helipad there. I'm not sure if that's changed or not, but I seem to recall that was the policy, which is odd, I agree, because you can go on, geez, every other class, and Navigator of the Seas, I was on the helipad, Jewel of the Seas, I was on the helipad, Freedom of the Seas, I was on the helipad, so... I'm not exactly sure why they decided with Oasis it's different. Perhaps there's an ish- access issue. I know it's I'm pretty darn sure it's crew only on the Oasis class. But if anybody's been on the Oasis of the Seas, or Lord of the Seas for that matter, more recently than I have, which is probably a good bet, did you get a chance to go on the helipad? Was it open at all? Did you see people on there? Because maybe we can help Andreas get an answer to that. But my guess is it's not just based on my own experience. But I'll stand corrected if need be. But thank you, Andreas, for the email. And of course, I want to hear about your experience on both Oasis and Allure when that comes up a little bit later. Next is an email from Dick Merritt. Thanks for episode 26 on Coco K. It was quite informative. We've cruised before, though not on Royal Caribbean, and haven't been to Coco K. We've booked for early June, which hopefully will avoid the weather waves that keep us on board. The question that hours of searching hasn't provided was an answer has to do with the secure storage of one's personal effects when taking part in the water sports. This particularly applies to the wave run or even snorkeling. If everyone in our party elects to jet around the island waters, there would be no one left to quote-unquote guard those items we wouldn't take on the ride. This would include cameras, shoes, ship documents, etc. There are some solutions like waterproof bags or even leaving things back on board, but it would be easier to simply have a locker or the like. I'm not really concerned about thievery, but I'd hate to have to leave such things on the beach. In your experience, is there any such facility either island-wide or at the vendor of the activity? The answer is yes, I do. Last time I checked, there were lockers on the island for rent. They do cost a little bit of money. You can use your pass card, if I'm not mistaken. And you can use them for water excursions like jet skis, etc. While you're on your excursion, just need to ask for it. I'm not sure if they'd allow you if you just wanted to go like swimming, perhaps. But I think you're asking about an excursion in general. So that might be a good thing to do. But of course, I was thinking as I was reading this email, but even before, if I were you and I was that concerned, so maybe you want to save a few bucks, I might just leave this stuff on the ship. It'd be easier because... At least then you won't have to worry about it. Granted, of course, because it's Coco Cay, unlike Labadee, is a tender island, meaning you have to take ferries back and forth. It's not exactly convenient to go get them afterwards. But if you're not you know, keen on maybe a waterproof bag slung over your shoulder or something like that, that might be the next best thing. But the lockers, I think, are available. You might want to check those out. I've And I've double-checked a couple different reports that I had seen from different people. And yeah, there isn't an exactly a definitive answer. But in my experience, I remember them being lockers over there. You just have to kind of ask a crew member if they're still at the wave hut or if they're somewhere else. And they can certainly help you with that. 
guys are stumping me today. <laughs> Next email is from Chad. Just got finished listening to your latest episode on the most challenging aspects of cruise planning, and I have an idea for a show topic. Best credit cards to use for maximum travel savings. I'm not sure about what everyone else is, but I know I myself stay as up-to-date as possible on the different credit cards I use because of the amazing rewards you can get. As far as the show, it could explain some of the different cards that are offered, which ones offer the best deals, how the best deals work, and which cards look like a good deal but really aren't. The last cruise I went on, for instance, I was able to go for almost for free using my rewards points to purchase the cruise and the airline tickets. Saved $1,300 using my reward points, and I accrue those points using my credit card every day, which I was already going to do. I don't know what you think, but I think it could be very helpful for people who don't know the benefits of the cards that are out there. If it's an area outside your expertise or you'd like some more insight, I'd love to offer any help I can. I try to stay up to date with it. Let me know what you think. Great podcast as always. Chad's a great idea, actually, and I'm one of those people who likes to use my credit cards as much as possible to accrue points. Mind you, we use them probably for more smaller purchases. As an example, we use a lot of our rewards points before our cruise for buying things like Inevitably, we have to, I don't know, ask me why, but every, before every cruise, we always have to buy brand new outfits for everybody. I don't know. I think it's just a scheme by the government to help spend consumer spending, but regardless, it's still fun. And, you know, we'll get gift cards, you know, for the Gap or wherever stores we happen to go to. And that's definitely one way of doing it. But yeah, you're right. You absolutely could use credit cards. That might be a good idea, Chad, down the line to kind of look at that. I'd like to do a little more research into the better options. I know what I use and what I do, and I typically just go for like the cash back options. But obviously, Royal Caribbean does have its own credit card. And there's a number of other credit cards that can offer you a lot of these things. So it might not be a bad idea. But Chad, you know what? Send me your email with some of the ways that you save money. Specifically, if you have any tips, advantages, I'd love to include that in that upcoming episode. So thank you for the idea, Chad. And of course, this goes to everybody. If you've got show ideas, if you have a topic you think either you've done, you know, you, you're familiar with and have good information and think it would be helpful for others, or if you're wondering about something, but it's probably too big for just, you know, this email segment, I'd love to hear about it as well. So email them over to me. Worst I'll tell you is, <laughs> you know, thanks. We'll keep it in mind. So if you get that, then I'm in snow. <laughs> Well, that's all the feedback we have this week. But, of course, I want more. I want your emails, tweets, Facebook messages, even your voicemails. Don't forget, you can be part of the show, and people can hear you. They don't have to just listen to me. They can listen to you sharing your thoughts. Don't be shy. It's fun, and it's cool to have your voice on the podcast. It's always fun. Anyway, I want this to be, of course, an interactive thing because, again, I do this podcast for all of you. And hearing your feedback, hearing your thoughts really means a lot to of course, Royal Caribbean's doing a lot of stuff these days. So, of course, you just want to sound off on what's going on and what your thoughts are, good or bad. Love to hear them as well. So, of course, you can tweet us. We are at the RCL blog on Twitter. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash Royal Caribbean blog. You can email us, matt, M-A-T-T, at Royal Caribbean blog.com or call the Royal Caribbean blog voicemail by calling 408-676-9256. So, until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.